Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Today, we're jumping into part four of Aftermath. And I want to start with a question that I guarantee you, you moms have been praying, but we've all prayed it in some way. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to do something and he just wouldn't do it? You moms have been praying. You prayed forever for school to get back in, didn't you? It didn't happen. You prayed, oh, just let us get these kids out of the house for a little while. Hopefully that's happening soon. But we've all been there. On a more serious note, some of you have chronic health problems and you have prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take that away, to heal you. And he just hasn't done it. You've realized, I think I'm going to live the rest of my life with this. What do you do with that when you're praying and praying and God doesn't do what you ask him to do? For some of you, you have walked through losing a job that you prayed and prayed and prayed you wouldn't lose. And you know what makes it even worse? You, You look over and you see somebody else who, if you were honest, you'd go, I don't know that they deserve it quite as much as me. And yet they kept their job. You lost yours. And you're thinking, well, what's up with that, God? That's so hard to make sense of, isn't it? For some of you, you have prayed and prayed and prayed for a loved one, maybe a son or daughter, maybe a a brother or sister, maybe a husband or wife, a mom or dad, who is battling addiction and is deep in the grip of addiction. And you have prayed and prayed for them to be free. I mean, why wouldn't God answer that? But it's not happened. And you've had to wrestle with what to do with a seeming unanswered or prayer or a seeming no from God. For some of you, you prayed and prayed that you wouldn't lose your child. You lost your child anyway. I can't, I can't imagine how difficult that is. What do you do when you're praying and praying for something that's so good? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, why wouldn't God want to answer some prayers like those? And yet he didn't. What do you do when it feels like God doesn't come through for you? The reality is, let's just be honest for a minute. It can be really difficult to trust God in the middle of those situations. It can cause us to stop to start to step back to lean away, to lessen our trust and our confidence in our Heavenly Father. And part of the reason we do that, and all of us do it, part of the reason we do that is because we do have a tendency to measure God's goodness, love, and mercy to us based on what we see, feel, and experience. Now, as we've gone throughout this series, we have called this circumstantial faith. Circumstantial faith is a trust or confidence or dependence on God that is impacted or influenced by what's happening in me or what's happening around me. And all of us tend to fall into circumstantial faith from time to time. The problem is, it's a very fragile faith. As a matter of fact, with circumstantial faith, as our circumstances worsen, our faith weakens, doesn't it? The reality is, circumstantial faith can't withstand the pleasures or the pressures of life. Because you've been there, so have I. When life gets too good, I don't feel like I need to trust God. Suddenly, I start thinking I've got everything under control. When life gets too tough, and I'm praying and asking God to change it, and he doesn't change it, Then I begin to drift, to to walk away from God because I'm like, oh, I don't think he cares about me. So if it's too good, I drift away. If it's too bad, I walk away. That's what circumstantial faith looks like. We've all done it at times, but that is not the kind of faith that the earliest followers of Jesus had. It was not circumstantial in any way because that wasn't even an option for them. All of their circumstances were bad. In no way could they hold on to, believe in, or teach a faith about a God that was going to protect them from everything because their experiences didn't prove that at all. 
They couldn't present a kind of faith or a kind of God that was going to bless them in such a way that everything good happened to them and nothing bad happened to them. That was not their experience at all. The foundation of their faith was not, I am trusting a God who's going to make my life easy. The foundation of their faith was, I am trusting a God who lived, died, and rose again. It's historically verifiable. We saw it with our own eyes or we talked to people who saw it. I am trusting in the one who lived, died, and rose again. And because he did that, these early followers were confident. I can trust everything Jesus said because he rose from the dead, including in the middle of my suffering, the promise Jesus made that in this world, you're going to have trouble. I mean, he didn't shy away from that. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have suffering. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So they hung to, they clung to this promise that Jesus is going to be with them. Jesus is going to walk with them through whatever it is that they face. But that does not change the fact that they had to wrestle with the same thing you and I wrestle with. What do you do when God says no? What do you do when you're praying and praying and praying for God to do a good thing? And it makes no sense why he wouldn't do it. And yet he doesn't do it. What are you doing? What do you do when you're praying and praying and praying for God to remove pain because you're not sure you can make it another day and yet he doesn't remove your pain? How do you deal with all of that? Why wouldn't God do something good, so good for somebody? Why would he let something so bad happen? Well, there's a macro answer to that question. Do not miss next week as we wrap up this series because I'm going to give you the macro answer, okay? But today I want to talk about it from a personal level. From the standpoint that you and I have all been in where we've gone, okay, I'm praying and praying for this. I don't understand why God's not answering. Or I'm praying and praying for this and I don't understand why God's saying no to it. How do you process that and how does that impact our faith? What's it look like to have faith when God says no? Well, to show you the answer to that, I want to take you all the way back to one of Jesus' earliest followers. This was a guy who deserved for God to say yes to things. This was a guy who was so committed, so devoted. This was a good guy. This was a guy that if anybody was going to get a yes from God, it should be this guy because he was such a good guy. He was doing so many good things for God. His name was Paul. Not the Paul who just sang a minute ago. He's, he's an okay guy. But Paul in the New Testament, the Paul who sacrificed everything, who sacrificed security, success, wealth, power, friends, health. Paul gave it all up to take the message of Jesus around the world. It cost him practically everything. The Paul that if it wasn't for him, we could make a case that we might not be sitting here today. We might not believe what we believe. We might not know what we know. The Paul that was willing to do anything in order to help people understand and experience God's grace, love, and mercy, and the fact that Jesus did show up, and he died, and he rose again. That Paul encountered some things that caused him to pray repeatedly, caused him to beg. These were things so devastating that Paul was going, God, would you do, I'll do anything. Would you just take this away? And you know what God said? He looked at Paul and he said, no. Now, do you think God told Paul no because Paul didn't have enough faith? Are you kidding me? I mean, would you go up and tell Paul? I just don't think you have enough faith. If you believe a little more, no, 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 no. Paul had more faith than you and me combined. Clearly, Paul had faith or he wouldn't be asking God to take it away, right? So Paul had complete confidence that God could do it. It's why he was asking. But God still said no. And then Paul had to figure out, how do I process through this no? What does my faith look like on the other side of a no? When I'm trying to do everything I can for God, and Paul could have looked at God and said, but God, if you will just take this away, I'll be so much more effective for you. And yet God said no anyway. And so Paul had to process that. And Paul had to come to the conclusion that all of us eventually need to come to, 
Paul had to realize, and he did, you know what? God has never promised to take away all of my pain, but he has given me a promise in the middle of my pain. And it's that promise that I want to show you today. So in 2 Corinthians 12, he's writing about this experience to these believers who are living in Corinth. They're going through their own suffering. They're going through their own pain. They're going through their own struggles as they're praying and praying and praying. And God keeps saying no. And here's what he tells them. Here's how he tells them he processed a no from God. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, we don't know exactly what this is. Paul never tells us, but clearly it's bad. When you use the terms thorn, when you call it a messenger of Satan, and when you say it's tormenting you, it's pretty bad. Some scholars believe that Paul had epilepsy. Some believe he had eye problems, major eye problems, vision problems. Some people believe that he had a physical disability. Some people believe he had depression. We don't know exactly what it was. We just know it was painful, humiliating, and debilitating. It was so humiliating and debilitating that Paul said, I'll tell you what, because of what's happened to me, I will never be tempted to be conceited. Because of what's happened to me, you don't have to worry about me getting too proud or too arrogant. This is so humiliating, and clearly it was public enough that other people could tell he had a problem. He says, this is so humiliating. I'll never have to, I'll never be arrogant again. So Paul does what all of us have done. Here's what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, this is not like three quick prayers. You know how sometimes we pray and we'll ask God something two or three times and move on? No, no, no. This means Paul's going, for three different seasons of my life, I intensely prayed, begged, pleaded with God, would you please take it away from me? Now, I bet there's been a point in your life, just like mine, where you've been there, haven't you? Where something has been going on in your life and you have prayed and prayed and pleaded and pleaded and begged and begged and asked and asked for God to change something, to do something different, to take something away. And Paul could have built a compelling case for why God should have done it. I mean, come on, Paul. Paul's done everything, right? Paul's out there sacrificing it all, giving it all up. Nobody's more deserving of an answered prayer than Paul. But in spite of the fact that he gave everything up, in spite of the fact that he's traveling the world, putting himself at risk, in spite of the fact that he is literally responsible for taking the message of Jesus to the known world in the first century, God looked at Paul and said, no, I know it's painful. I know it's humiliating. I know it's debilitating. I am not going to take it away from you. Instead, Paul says that God told him this. My grace, this is God's response to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, thank you, God, but I'm actually wanting to see your grace and your power so sufficient that it removes this. God says, no, I'm not going to remove it, but I am going to use it. I'm going to give you grace. You know what grace is? Grace is the strength to endure. And this is the promise he made Paul. And this is the promise that he made you and me. This is a promise that you can count on. God says, in the middle of your pain, I'm not removing it, but I'm giving you the strength to endure it. I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you a grace that's going to be sufficient for whatever you face. And I'm going to give you a power to sustain in the middle of the suffering. You're not going to have to do this alone. Sometimes I think we miss that grace and power, don't we? We're going through the middle of something. We're so focused on wishing God would remove it, wishing God would change it, wishing God would fix it, that we lose sight of the fact that God's showing up with us every day in the middle of it. And he's helping us take another step. He's helping us live another day. He's helping us move through another painful situation. That his grace and his power, they're there. This is what he offered to the Apostle Paul. 
Not a solution, not a fix, but the grace, the strength to endure, the power to sustain in the middle of suffering. And it's what he promises you and me if we'll accept it as well. So Paul has a decision to make, just like you and I have decisions we have to make when we get a no or when we get an answer we don't like. Paul had to go, okay, well, how am I going to respond to this? I think God should remove it. He's saying he's not going to remove it. So what am I going to do and am I going to continue to trust God or not? And here was Paul's response, and this is what I want you to pay attention to. He says, therefore, I will boast. Paul, that makes no sense. What do you mean you're going to boast? You're you're excited about something? You're you're proud about something? You're going to share something with everybody you come into contact with? What in the world would you boast about when you're in such pain? Paul says, I'll tell you, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. In other words, I'm not going to try to hide this. I'm not going to try to keep people from seeing what I'm going through. I'm not going to shelter myself and hide away so that, you know, nobody knows all the pain. No, no, no. He says, I'm, I'm fine with this now. I'm fine with this. I'm just going to boast all the more gladly now about this weakness. God said, no, he's not going to remove it. That's fine. I'm going to lean into it, and I'm going to lean into him. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, do not miss this. Here's what Paul discovered in the middle of the no he got from God. Here's what Paul learned in the middle of his pain. Paul learned that there's some things that you can only learn about God in the middle of suffering. Paul learned there's some ways God can be personal to you only in the middle of pain. Paul discovered there was something far greater, far more valuable to him. Now, if you've never been through this, it's so hard for you to believe, but just track with me. Paul believed there was something so much more valuable to him than getting a yes to his prayer. And it was what he was learning and discovering and experiencing about and with God in the middle of his pain. So Paul's focus shifted from God, I need to get a miracle, to God, I want to be a miracle. From God, remove this. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Take this away, God. And then all the people around, look, you'll, you'll be so honored when everybody sees. And Paul goes, no, no, I realize what you're doing, God. It's okay. I don't want to get a miracle anymore. I want to be a miracle. In other words, the way, God, that you will be most honored and glorified in the middle of this is for people to watch me every day walk through this pain, depending on your grace and your power and your strength. And they'll look and go, there's no way he could do that apart from God's help. There is a walking miracle right there. So Paul's prayer shifted from God, I want you to remove it, to God, I'm going to accept it. And I want you to use it. It's why Paul concluded by saying this. He said, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight. Have you ever gotten to a point, not that you're happy for all the pain, all the suffering, but have you ever gotten to a point that you could rest confidently, that you could delight in how God was using it and what God was doing in you and through you in the middle of it? This is where Paul had got. So he said, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the difficulties. Four, when I am weak. This was Paul's conclusion. When I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm at my weakest, Paul said, here's what I've learned. I've learned how to depend on God in a way I would have never known otherwise. And I've experienced and discovered a strength and a power that I've never had before that's coming straight from my heavenly father. So, if we were to ask Paul, 
Paul, what does faith look like? What is trust? Because that's all faith is, trust or confidence. What does faith, trust, or confidence in God look like when God's looking at you and telling you no, when you're asking for a good thing? Here's what I think Paul would tell us. Faith is confidence that while God may not remove it, he will use it. Paul's going, listen, you, you don't have a promise. Paul's going, I don't have a promise that God's going to remove all the pain, all the suffering. He's not going to make my life problem-free and wrinkle-free. He's not going to make yours either. He never promised that. Next week, we're going to talk about why that's not true. But Paul says, I'll tell you the promise you can hold on to. That while God may not remove whatever it is you wish he would remove, he will use it. He will use it. And he will give you the grace and the power to endure, to sustain through it. Now, that brings up this question. Because some of you have experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but some of you have never gotten to the point where you've understood this, where you've embraced this, where you've experienced it. And I get it's hard to understand if you haven't been there. So let me ask the question that maybe you're thinking. How do you lean into and experience God's grace and power in the middle of suffering? Because some of you, you have prayed and prayed and prayed for God to do something and he didn't do it, and you have prayed and prayed and prayed for God to help you, and you didn't feel like he was there helping you. And so you're going, well, where was his grace and where was his power in the middle of it? Well, first of all, it may have been there and you didn't even recognize it. But I'll tell you the one thing you have to do, the one thing I have to do to experience and to benefit from God's grace and from God's power. You have to humble yourself enough to lean in and accept it. You got to humble yourself enough to want it. You got to humble yourself enough to ask for it. You have to humble yourself enough to get to the point where you're willing to go, you know what, God? I'm going to keep asking you to remove it, but even if you don't, I want you to use it, and I want you to give me the grace and the power to get through it. That takes a level of humility that, quite honestly, some of us resist. Listen, there is only one limit to God's grace in your life, just one. It is your lack of humility. It is my lack of humility. The only thing that can cut me off from God's grace is when I choose pride. Because by its very definition, grace is the unexpected, unearned, undeserved favor of God. And only people who are humble enough to recognize it's unearned, undeserved, can experience it. If you think you've earned grace, then it's not grace anymore, so you've cut yourself off from it. The only limit to God's grace in your life and mine is when we choose to have a lack of humility. It's our pride. It's our pride. Because you know what? Grace flows down to the humble. It never flows up to the proud. So, if you're in the middle of a difficult, painful situation right now, or if you went through something, you prayed and prayed and prayed and you asked God and God said no or God didn't do anything, God didn't seem to show up for you. Maybe, and you got to reflect on this for yourself, but maybe part of the reason you have struggled so much with it is because you have lacked the humility to trust God enough that, you know what, he knows better than me, he will be with me, and God, I'm going to just admit, I can't do this on my own. It's so hard for us to acknowledge, isn't it? We resist this because we just want to be in control. We resist this because we want to be in charge and we feel like we can take care of everything. And God says, nope, not in this instance. So you're going to have to have enough humility to acknowledge you need my help, but I'm willing to help if you'll just reach out your hand. Those who bow the knee instead of shaking their fist are the ones who experience God's grace and power in the middle of pain and difficulty. Those who choose to submit to his will instead of trying to impose their own are the ones who experience the same grace and power Paul did. They're the ones who discover, 
oh, when I am weak, well, that's when I'm at my strongest. So here's my question for you. Do you need to surrender? Do you need to take that circumstance, that situation, that prayer, that request, that pleading you've been doing? Do you need to surrender? And say, you know what, God, I'm going to keep asking you to remove it, but even if you don't remove it, I'm perfectly fine with you using it. Do you need to take a no? Some of you have gotten a no from God, and you're fighting him because you don't like it, and so you're continuing to try to manipulate and orchestrate, and you're just going to have enough faith. You're going to force God to do it. No, no. If you've gotten a no from God, do you have enough humility to accept the no and to trust that he has a bigger purpose behind the pain that you're going through? Your pain, listen, your pain is not wasted. God will bring good from your pain if you'll surrender it to him. And he will give you the grace and the power to endure, to sustain whatever suffering you go through. So you're willing to wake up every day and say, okay, God, if you don't remove it, I just want you to use it. Here it is. I need your grace. I need your power to help me through it. That is a promise you can be totally confident in. That is a promise that God will answer every single time. He will not abandon you in the middle of it. So, did God cause your pain? Probably not. I don't know for sure, but probably not. Don't miss next week. I'm going to explain to you why we experience so much pain, suffering, and brokenness in the world. It'll help make sense of a lot of this for you. Did God cause it? Probably not. Could God change it? Absolutely. Does God have the power to fix it without a doubt? Can you ask him to? Absolutely. Just remember, you're hoping. It's not faith. You can only trust and be confident that God will do what he promised he will do, and he didn't promise to take all of our pain and all of our problems away. So ask. There's nothing wrong with that. And ask confident that he can. That, that's a faith you can hold on to. But will he change it? Maybe. Maybe not. Will he abandon you in the middle of it? Absolutely not. Will he walk with you through it? Without a doubt. Can you trust and be confident that he cares about you and loves you even when you get a no from God? Of course you can. Because Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane got a no from God when he begged another way rather than going to the cross. But you remember what he said? Not my will. Yours be done. God, I'm going to surrender this to you and I'm going to let you use it because you're not going to remove it. Will you do the same? Will you have the humility? Will I have the humility to accept a no from God and to trust that he is with us and he is for us and his grace and his power will sustain us through whatever we face? You can be confident that is what he will do. You can be confident while he may not remove it. He will use it for your good and for his glory. So, I hope you'll spend a few minutes today, maybe later this week, with some family, with some friends, with your small group, and just talk about this. And feel free to be transparent and honest. Feel free to be honest about the places where you're feeling like God's giving you a no and it just frustrates you. The places in the maybe experiences in your past where you've been angry with God and you haven't let it go because it seemed like he didn't show up for you. But also be honest enough with yourself and honest enough with them to reflect on, hey, 
is there a part of this where I just want what I want? Is there a part of this where I'm just trying to manipulate God and get him to do what I want him to do? And because he didn't, I got mad. And I didn't have the humility to embrace the grace and the power that he was offering me. That offer is still there for you and it's still there for me. So does God tell you no because you don't have enough faith? Not in most situations. But if he tells you no, just like he told Paul no, you can know that he still cares, he still loves you, and his grace and his power are there for you. So to close today, I want to take just a moment and pray for you, specifically those of you who are in the middle of painful situations and you're struggling with this. Let's pray. Father, this is so hard when you're in the middle of the pain. I I know it's hard right now for those who, they're praying for a son or a daughter to break free from addiction or you know, get their life back on track. They're praying for a family to be put back together. They're praying for a marriage to be restored. They're praying for a loved one to be healed. God, some of them are wrestling through pain from the past where they just can't understand why you allowed something to happen or you didn't fix something to happen. They're wrestling through why that affair took place. They're wrestling through why they lost that child. They're wrestling through the pain of why they lost their job. They're wrestling through the pain of where were you when everything fell apart. So God, would you help us to have enough humility to acknowledge that maybe we don't see the big picture and maybe we don't understand everything and maybe we don't even know what's in our long-term best interest. And God, would you help us to have enough humility to acknowledge that maybe you were there with us all along and we just missed you. Maybe you were providing grace and power that we didn't even recognize or we didn't even accept because we were too proud and we've been trying to control you. We've been trying to force you to do what we want you to do. And God, would you help us to have enough humility just to open up our hands and surrender instead of trying to impose our will on you just to submit to your will. Instead of shaking our fist at you to bow our knee and say, okay, God, I can't bring anything good out of this. I'm going to give it to you. God, you're not going to remove it, but will you use it? And help us in the middle of that to have the faith and confidence to know you're with us and your grace and your power will sustain us. Thank you, Jesus, for walking in our shoes, for experiencing it yourself, for modeling for us exactly what it looks like to say, not my will, but yours be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.